Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gavitt Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is September 21st, 2020, which means I'm on day 282 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. A historical day for the San Diego Padres as they have clinched a playoff spot. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That is an amazing opportunity for a team that I have never seen in the playoffs since I have lived in this city for nine years. It's actually been 14 years since they've made it, all the way back to 2006. Congrats to the Padres. I am super proud of them, even though they had to beat my number one team, the Seattle Mariners, in order to lock in that playoff spot. But it was worth it because the the Padres, they're on the fast track to success. The Seattle Mariners are not. They will not make the playoffs. That is a guarantee. And I'm afraid they're just going to have to wait till next season when perhaps the regular, normal schedule of over 100 games will occur. That means they have something to look forward to, but the Padres in this shortened season have proved their worth, and I am impressed with them. Jerickson Profar, Cronenworth, I'm talking Hosmer. These guys are great. Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Seaver on the mound, I mean, it's it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish with a ragtag group of young players that nobody expected to do well, and now it is time to prove it in the postseason. I believe they can do this. I am behind them 100%. I'm not sure the city of San Diego really cares. There's not much of a buzz going on. You know, I, I expected the people here, as fair-weather fans as they sometimes can be, to jump on the bandwagon once again after their Padres began winning. But so far, it seems I might be the only person in the entire city who gives a damn. I very sadly anticipated a sweep by the Lakers over the Denver Nuggets, and you know what? It's coming true. They barely beat them last night, I will admit, and the Nuggets in the second half of the game actually looked as though they were finally ready to play the Lakers and understood what they had to do to win. But a game-winning shot by Anthony Davis sealed the deal for the gold and purple. And I absolutely hate every word I just spoke. And it makes me sick to my stomach to think that these assholes are going to go to the finals and more than likely win a trophy in a season that LeBron James didn't even want to continue because of the civil rights movement and the COVID-19 and all these things that made him stand up in the meetings they had and say that, that they should boycott the rest of the year and the trophy's meaningless to him and none of this matters. And now here he is fighting for his ability to raise that trophy once again above his shoulders in proof that he and his team is the best, even after stating that he didn't give a crap. So the single guy who 100% went against the rest of the NBA and decided the season should end and none of us 
should care about basketball anymore is the same one fighting for the opportunity to once again lift that trophy above his head and just pridefully display his championship ring for the 2020 season. I hate him so much. Only a miracle now can save the Denver Nuggets, and I don't believe it's going to happen. I've got friends in L.A., this is funny, who really think that Denver has found their way after the second half of yesterday's game, and at this point, the momentum will shift in their favor, and they will take the series eventually 4-2. But I don't know what they're smoking, because they must not be watching the same games as me. I am... Still 100% certain that the purple and gold fakers will sweep the Denver Nuggets and the Nuggets' dream of making it to the NBA Finals will once again be swept under a rug. Well, the first official trailer for WandaVision coming up on Disney Plus makes this show look even weirder than anyone expected. It's sort of a tribute to the old 50s show, Bewitched. I Love Lucy as well in there a little bit. And then it moves on to Stranger Things a little bit as well. And from there it goes into an almost Friday the 13th Halloween-ish I mean, there's no describing this thing. You just have to watch it. It goes from black and white to color, from modern day to 50s. It's just a whirlwind of craziness, and I really don't understand what I'm looking at. Is it supposed to be set in an older era? Is it in a multiverse scenario? Or is it a universe created by Wanda herself? to enjoy life with Vision outside of the normal MCU fighting and Avengers battles they've done. And for all this to make sense to me anyways, can't we remember that she is the daughter of Magneto? And what happened to her Russian accent? I don't know what's going on here. This thing looks crazy. But I just hope it's not too Disneyed out. Because for me, the daughter of Magneto would have a darker side to her. Her life, with or without a man she wants to spend the end of her days with, should be dark times. You know, she has a whirlwind of emotions going through her on a constant basis, fighting off these demons from her past. And for this to turn taken. I love Lucy's type turn and, you know, have them all happy in the 50s. And I just don't really know what I'm watching here. So I certainly hope this show isn't too Disneyed out because they have not spit out very much out of Marvel lately. And we have high expectations for this, considering the fact that the only thing else we have to look forward to is Black Widow, which will surely suck because it is about a superhero who is somehow just a woman who was a Russian assassin, and now we are supposed to believe that she survived the almost apocalypse from Thanos and fought alongside the likes of Thor, 
Iron Man, and the Hulk. I mean, come on. I'm pretty satisfied with the football I saw yesterday, especially the Sunday night game between the Seahawks and the Patriots, which saw Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks destroy New England in a close game that went down to the wire. In fact, there was an opportunity for Cam Newton and the Patriots to win the game, having a chance at the one-yard line to run the ball in for a touchdown with no time left on the clock, and they were snuffed by the amazing defense of the Seahawks to the happiness and joy of me, and I was ecstatic. I gotta say, I personally hate Cam Newton because of what he did to the Oregon Ducks when he played for Auburn, and I also just don't like him as a person because he's a douchebag. The way he dresses annoys me, the way he acts and talks annoys me, and I also don't like the New England Patriots because of what they did to the Seattle Seahawks when they beat us in the Super Bowl after the worst play call of all time instead of running Marshawn Lynch when Pete Carroll told us to throw the football on the one-yard line and somebody from the stupid freaking New England Patriots intercepted it, which led to a Tom Brady run all the way down to the other side of the field with his wonderful team and had them see a touchdown to win it and beat the Seahawks with like a minute left on the clock, proving that even great teams like my Seattle beloved Hawks can choke in a time of great pressure when it has to do with Brady and the Patriots. When it has to do with Cam Newton and the Patriots, nope, I'm afraid that's not going to happen this time, Scam Newton. So sit your butt down, shake your head in embarrassment, and realize what just happened. You got beat by the Seahawks! Also yesterday, I watched Justin Herbert, the ex-Oregon Ducks quarterback, play basically a full game for the, I almost said San Diego, for the Los Angeles Chargers. And of course they lost in a typical Chargers fashion with a field goal to win it by the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime. How embarrassing for you. None of that matters. They played a good game against the ex-Super Bowl champs. And I gotta say, I was impressed with what I saw from Herbert. Being his first NFL start, the kid did some spectacular things, including a touchdown pass. And although he wasn't amazing, you know, he didn't blow anyone away, he did fairly well. And that's more than I can say about Dennis Dixon, Jeremiah Mazzoli, Marcus Mariota, Joey Harrington. The list goes on and on. There have been quarterback after quarterback and quarterback from the Oregon Ducks that did not succeed in the NFL. And the great last hope could very well be Herbert himself. I really, really hope this guy does well in the NFL. Otherwise, I'm I'm just afraid there's a an actual curse for quarterbacks coming out of the Oregon Ducks that will never make anything of themselves in the National Football League. 
Subway, Domino's, Applebee's, and McDonald's are among the worst restaurants to eat at as far as healthy choices available on the menu. Yes, this means that they are terrible places to eat, but there's one chain restaurant who recently ranked number one on the list for worst place to eat if you're attempting to be healthy in any possible way, and that, surprisingly, is the Cheesecake Factory. Yes. Now, anything with the name Cheesecake in it is probably bad for you. Cheesecake itself just says it all. You're eating cake and cheese at the same time. None of that's good for you. But for the most part, part the Cheesecake Factory is not all about the cheesecake, it seems like. I mean, yes, they sell it. And I'm sure some people go there simply for that. But the majority of folks find themselves opening their gigantic menu of off-the-wall items that make no sense to me at all to even be on this, what I thought was an Italian eateries menu availability. But instead, there's crazy stuff on there, which includes some menu items that have twice the amount of sodium you should get in an entire day in one dish. Yeah, apparently the Cheesecake Factory is rated this way because of its lack of available healthy options on its menu completely, meaning a vegetable dish or a vegan option or something that's not fried or cooked in oil or fat or has a meat-heavy, you know, or sodium-heavy property to it. I say this about the Cheesecake Factory. I've been there one time, and the one I went to had, like, an Egyptian theme inside. There was pillars, like, from the Luxor, it seemed like, and hieroglyphics and things like that. And I just didn't know where I was. It made no sense. It seemed like it had no real identity. Then I opened the menu, which was so massive, I could not even start as to what I was going to choose to eat for dinner. So I asked the server what to get, who recommended some Cajun shrimp thing that I ended up getting, which was okay, but not great. And nobody who was with me ordered cheesecake, which I thought was weird because I was under the impression that that was the theme of this entire restaurant. So for me, I'm not a fan. I don't understand why this place is popular. It makes no sense to me. But now, I'm even less likely to eat there knowing that it is the single worst place to eat for you in America out of chain restaurants, even over McDonald's and Domino's. That is a sad stat to have. Good news for meat lovers out there. The prices of meat have been slashed, in some cases, in half from what they were at the beginning of the pandemic. Now, much of this can be attributed to the fact that people got used to the high prices of meat and supplemented other things into their diet to make up for the fact that they couldn't afford to buy steaks and pork and chicken. But now, due to the fact that We're at the butthole end of this pandemic, I'm pretty sure. And some of the closures of the meat packing plants that 
had too many, you know, workers that were sick from the coronavirus have reopened to realize that farmers who have been feeding their same cattle and haven't had to kill them because haven't had a demand for meat like they used to realize now that their animals are fatter, producing even more meat. Consumers are buying less of it. Steakhouses and restaurants are buying less of it because they don't have available, uh, you know, the 25% capacity availability inside, or in some cases haven't even reopened, so are buying zero meat, which leads leaves these places with a ton of extra meat, which makes them have to slash the prices in order to get rid of it, which means the companies that already struggled at the beginning of this are now struggling once again, but the consumers like me, who enjoy meat, are getting it for even cheaper than the pre-pandemic prices, which I am thankful for because, you know what, I can't get enough of it. I tried for an entire day to not eat meat. Just one day. I ate, you know, I had a normal Life shake for breakfast. I had some fruit for lunch. And for dinner, I ate a bowl of veggies. And by the time I got home at night, I worked that day, so I figured I'd, I'd just work all night and it would be no problem. I'd just come home, go to sleep. I was so desperately hungry still. I had to eat a turkey sandwich. But that's all I did. You know, the only thing I ate that was meat was sliced turkey. Sure, it was preservative packed. You know, probably Oscar Mayer or Hillshire Farms or something, which has probably all sorts of injections and things to make sure it can stay good even though it's sliced for like three to six months. But, you know, if that's all I ate that day, then I feel pretty proud of myself. Because I am a carnivore at heart. I'm a steak and potatoes type of guy. A beef brisket, you know, candied bacon, pulled pork sandwiches, a whole pork butt to myself. I'm telling you, I go all out. So for these pork and beef and chicken prices being slashed, a guy like me is happy. Get out there, folks, if you're a meat eater. Buy up some meat right now. Throw some in your freezer. Save it for later because the prices are great. Even prime rib is less than it was per pound pre-pandemic. You gotta love prime rib. Now, folks, talking about meat and talking about McDonald's in the previous two segments, it reminds me of a story that I must tell in a segment of the Peter Gabbett podcast I like to call... Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hanks, and of course, Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, I'm going to tell you about a crazy circumstance involving by far the worst fast food chain in existence, McDonald's. It is the worst. It's absolutely terrible. That's the end of my true story. Just kidding. No, so one time, my father was, you know, feeling nice. I don't know what the deal was. He was at my house and he was like, hey, you know what? I'd like to buy you guys dinner. What would you like? And I have absolutely never answered that question with any fast food, especially not my least favorite place on the, like the entire planet, McDonald's. I will seriously lick the street to get nutrients before I eat something from Smith Ronald's. So my dad, 
he's asking me, what do you guys want to eat for dinner? I told him, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat something else. You know, I, you guys get whatever you want. I'll just make something. And of course, my wife jumped at the opportunity to get a two cheeseburger meal from McDonald's, which is sadly and embarrassingly her favorite thing to eat. I'm not kidding about this. I can cook anything. I am a phenomenal home cook, and I know this for a fact. I can cook Asian food, Italian food, Mexican food, American food. I can do it all. And I know that I have a very good skill at making delicious meals. However, once in a blue moon, for some crazy, probably nostalgic reason, my wife becomes obsessed with the idea of getting a two-cheeseburger meal from the worst fast food chain of all time, McDonald's. And so this was one of those rare opportunities where she didn't have to feel bad about it because she knew I wasn't going to eat there anyways or attempt to eat there and throw it away like I do every single time. And she had the chance to, without bias, get herself some McDonald's and without judgment, eat it on the side. So she asked my dad, please go to McDonald's and get her a two cheeseburger meal. He says, no problem. He was feeling nice. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like, you know, I don't know what it was. It was like her birthday or something and he wanted to treat her and that's what she wanted. It's hard for me to even say these words. So he goes to McDonald's and he gets her a two cheeseburger meal and something for one of my kids, I think, and maybe something for himself. And he comes home and she grabs her burger, takes a bite. There's no burger. There's no burger in her burger. I'm not kidding you about this. I think I've told this story before, but I must say it again. There is no burger in the burgers. It's cheese and bread, and that is it. I don't even know how this is a thing that can happen. Your job at a fast food place that serves burgers is to put a beef patty, or whatever it's made out of, probably rats, on to two pieces of bread. And you failed. Epic fail. So I was like flabbergasted at this. I, I couldn't even believe it. To, to me, this was a miracle of stupidity. And I pointed out to my dad, I'm like, well, thanks for attempting to get us the worst fast food ever. It's so bad, in fact, they forgot the main ingredient to the cheeseburgers, the burger. There's two words in, you know, two combined words in what she ordered, cheese and burger. And they forgot one of them. So he was pissed and he doesn't normally get mad. He's like the nicest mad person you've ever met. He'll be like, oh man, I'm so, so upset about this. And I'm like, I can't even tell. When I get mad, dude, you know, everyone in the room, the neighborhood knows when I'm mad. Let's put it that way. But this guy, he calmly grabs the stuff, heads back to McDonald's. And I'm thinking, I don't want him to go by himself right now and do this. Plus, he was a little drunk. So I'm like, I don't think this guy should even drive to McDonald's and storm in there intoxicated because I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. But I'm just going to be there to mediate at least. So I decided I'll drive. So I drive him over to the McDonald's and we walk in 
and we ask for a manager. And the manager comes by, of course, it's like some, you know, maybe 20-year-old person who just looks as though they don't give a crap about their job, even the slightest bit. And we bring to their attention that the burgers they sold us, two of them, in fact, both didn't have burgers on them. And the person's not even surprised. You know, the person's like, oh, uh, you know what? I think we thought you guys wanted grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. McDonald's, apparently, gives you the option of getting burgerless cheeseburgers as grilled cheese sandwiches instead. I've never heard of this. I don't know why you would try this. And I then asked him, did you grill the sandwiches? Is the bread on either side grilled? And he's like, nah. I'm like, then what the hell are you talking about? I have no clue how you possibly screwed this up. Like, your job is simple as hell when you're creating this four-ingredient burger. There's the little minced onion things. There's ketchup. There's probably pickles, I don't remember, maybe not. Cheese and a burger. And you put it on their disgusting, plasticky, fake-looking bread that is probably super packed with gluten and preservatives, just like the meat is. You even don't have to cook the meat. You take the meat out of the little steam tray thingy, and you put it on the gross fake sandwich. How is it possible that you screwed that up? I asked the manager. And they're like, oh, you know, actually it happens more often than you think. <laughs> it does? It happens more often than you think? You forget a burger in a burger? Often? I mean, the insolence of these people is just a new level of pathetic. Proving that I have made the right choice in never eating at McDonald's ever. I avoid it like the plague. They finally gave us the two real cheeseburgers to the dismay and bewilderment of my father who was just standing there in awe to the response of this manager. He wanted to go off on him, I know, but I held him back. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'll deal with this in an orderly fashion and attempt to find out how something so stupid occurred. But we didn't get the answer we wanted. Instead, the Neanderthal of a manager sat there with a stupid face, not even apologetic to us or offering us anything in compensation for the mishap that drove us all the way to my house, all the way back, just for some crappy, disgusting slop. Which I will say, perhaps maybe this time actually deterred my wife from wanting McDonald's again for at least another month. Lesson to be learned here, folks. McDonald's sucks. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you're staying safe and smoke-free. And for those of you in the South, water-free, I feel very sorry for anyone dealing with a natural disaster right now. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. I'm going to play for you a song today that I am certain you will recognize. And either it's a song you hate or it has that catchy tune to it that just grabs you each and every time you hear it, and you probably don't even know. It's by a band called When in Rome. Here it is, 
the promise. Words just come out With no cross to 